Welcome to the Forward Healing Project. This is a weekly podcast where we acknowledge the challenges and grief experienced with infertility and miscarriage. Through honest and real talk, we will share stories, explore emotions, and seek healing by reclaiming, redefining, and renewing what it means to heal a hopeful heart. Welcome to the Forward Healing Project podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Allen. Last week, I had on three awesome guys who sat down with me and shared the male perspective. Thank you again to my husband, Kevin, and my friends, Micah Johnson and Damon Sexton. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode, I'd suggest that you take a listen. It's really powerful to hear the male perspective. But it got me thinking, and I'm going to start having one guest a month. Um, And this month, I look forward to welcoming Rachel Richards on March 16th, when we will discuss the adoption option. But this week, I want to unpack shame. I'm going to use a definition of shame that Brene Brown uses. And for those of you that don't know, Brene Brown is a renowned researcher in shame and defines shame as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I think very often when people are dealing with infertility or suffered a miscarriage or struggling to build the family they desire, this is the exact feeling they feel. They feel flawed and unworthy. When your body doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, you feel flawed. When your body rejects a pregnancy, you feel flawed. When you are unable to do what it seems like everyone else can do, we feel flawed. And those flaws eventually add up to shame and embarrassment. And the more shame and embarrassment we feel, the more we want to hide, shut down, clam up, and hunker behind the wall. As I've mentioned in past episodes, I run a ministry called Healing Hopeful Hearts at the cathedral here in Lexington. It's a ministry for infertility and miscarriage, a support group of sorts. I had someone once tell me that they almost didn't come to a session because they didn't want anyone to see them. I was shocked and heartbroken by this, but it also made sense. This person didn't want anyone to know that they were flawed or less than. I mean, who would? Of the things that I'm constantly amazed at on the forward healing journey, it's how deeply societal expectations impact how we see ourselves. I mean, of course, right? This isn't some profound discovery. But I don't think we think about it until we fail to meet those expectations. And then the shame begins to build. Like most emotions on this journey, or any intense experience, these emotions lead to more. The shame leads to embarrassment, leads to anger and envy and pride. I can't speak for anyone else, but embarrassment, envy, anger, and pride were not a good look for me, but I wore them. The shame doesn't present itself right away. At first, you just start to explore your options. You start to do some research on what is happening with your body. You look to see where the issues lie. Do you need medical support? What instant solution can you find? Then suddenly you start to feel different when you know you're not gonna fix the issue, that the issue is your own body. The shame starts to creep in as you begin to feel like you're different, you're flawed. You're not meeting societal expectations. You're not able to do what your friends and family and everyone else can do. 
and the shame builds. But you have nothing to be ashamed of. But we all tell ourselves we are flawed, and we begin to weave a new outlook with a thread made of shame. It becomes a part of the very fabric of who we are. And then suddenly you look back and you're no longer who you were before the shame entered the picture. You know you didn't do anything wrong. No one would ever think you did anything wrong. And yet we allow the shame to enter into our lives and allow it to take over and change what we look like. For me, the shame was all consuming. I was embarrassed. I couldn't be a part of the conversation with my friends and family about building a family. I was embarrassed that I was ashamed. I was ashamed I couldn't give my husband the family he wanted. I was unable to make him a father. And when we miscarried, it was another level of shame. For whatever reason, my body just wasn't going to cooperate. And I felt ashamed. I felt less than. And that changes a person. When you feel shame, whether or not it's deserved, it changes you. For a long time, I took that shame and allowed it to make me a victim. It was debilitating. It made me feel weak. I allowed it to change who I was, how I looked at myself, and in that without realizing it was even happening. I allowed those emotions to tell me I was unworthy. And in that unworthiness, why would anyone love me? Why would God help me? What right did I have to build a family? I allowed the shame to reshape who I was. I allowed it to humiliate me. And it was debilitating. Maybe you're thinking this is a little overly dramatic, but I assure you it's not dramatic enough. There's a reason no one talks about these topics. It's too hard. And often it's too hard because there is shame and embarrassment weaving their evil webs and changing our landscapes of how we see ourselves. So we shut down. I will never, or at least I'm going to try my damnedest to never speak for anyone else. But I will tell you, my shame came from everywhere. I was on birth control for 10 years before I was married. So I thought, I did this. Because I was on birth control, I caused my infertility. As I mentioned, I was away from the church during this time. So when God didn't answer my prayers, I looked to other gods. Not in a worship way, but I thought, hey... If my God's not answering, maybe some of these other guys can help. I explored every fertility goddess you could think of. I researched them. There are Indian goddesses of fertility, Kogapelli, American Indian beliefs. You name it, I looked into them. But then my deeply rooted Catholic guilt crept back in. I was turning away from God in every way, and then a new layer of shame. I was convinced my diet was causing my infertility. So I tried every diet you could think of. There's entire cookbooks written about eating for fertility. I was convinced if I ate the right herbs and eliminated everything that could impact my hormones, that would heal me. I felt ashamed because I wasn't thin enough. What if my weight was causing my infertility? It must be my fault. Shame. And that shame led to deep anger, regret, envy, and embarrassment for feeling all these things. And I spiraled. And most of these negative feelings, they all started with shame. All of the negative emotions stem from this belief that I was flawed. I've had other women tell me their bodies failed them. They failed? That's harsh. Harsh. This journey can make you feel like a failure, though. You feel like you fail as a woman, a wife, and a daughter. And when something fails, 
It's because it's not whole. It's incomplete. It's less than. So of course we project that understanding of failure, being that which is flawed, onto how we see ourselves. It's not your fault that you feel this way. We're told that something that fails has something wrong with it. It's flawed, so therefore we must be flawed. And it doesn't end with our bodies. It's natural to think your body is flawed if it cannot perform the way it's supposed to. We hear terms like failed cycle or failed pregnancy, and we know our bodies failed to become pregnant or maintain a pregnancy. And then we take that failed body and make it who we are and how we see ourselves. I spent 10 years thinking I was a failure. I was flawed and I carried that shame. 10 years of constantly believing that you are fundamentally flawed does a number on your self-worth. I remember times where I literally struggled to look in the mirror because I hated the person looking back at me. She was sad and angry and she was less than. And this all stemmed from shame, from the belief that I was flawed, from believing that I did something to cause this. I must have angered God. The years on birth control must have damaged my body. I believed these things. Now, I will tell you that I do believe that birth control is extremely damaging to a body. However, I don't believe that it caused me to have endometriosis, and I don't believe it's why I miscarried. But this is where the shame path will take you. When we can't explain something, we find something or someone to blame. And often that person is our own self. But that's our human nature. We want to explain everything, have answers, and demand justice. We need someone to blame, someone to point to and say, you caused this system failure, or this is the cause, and therefore it must be dealt swiftly and without mercy. But when you're your own target of blame, you allow the shame to grow and take over. We read about or hear about other people that tried this or tried that. Legs up the wall after sex, Chinese herbs, quick second honeymoon, a diet of cabbage and organic chicken, all these things that worked for other people. Maybe they helped, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that their success and your continued struggle is totally unrelated. Someone else's success on this journey or in life, it doesn't define you. We are species that I like to compare. We, because we, we think wrongly, but we think that a comparison is a compass for how we're doing. And when we compare, we despair. And when we despair, we create a nice warm place for shame to take up residence in our hearts and in our minds. Shame comes in all shapes and sizes. I know women who feel shame because they can't have children or have yet to have children, and they feel like they failed their parents because they failed to give them grandchildren. I've met women who have children and feel shame because they're unable to have more children. And that dream of the great big Catholic family that takes up an entire pew, in their minds, that family is a glaring reminder that they are failing in what they think their Catholic family should look like. After our third failed IUI, I remember telling my husband he could leave. Like, free and clear, go. Go get a newer, fertile wife. It did not go over well. But I was serious. I was that out of my mind with grief and shame. 
that I was 100% willing to let my husband go. If he couldn't have a family with me, he should be allowed to find someone else who could give him one. Again, this did not go over well, mainly because my husband is amazing, but also because in that moment, he loved me more than I loved myself. But I didn't feel worthy to be his wife. I didn't feel worthy to be loved. Let's go back to that definition of shame we're using. It tells us that this feeling makes us believe that we are unworthy of love. Unworthy. I'm here to tell you right now, we are all worthy of love. Your fertility, your marital status, the number of children you may have does not and never will determine your worth. You are worthy of love because God created us and God is love. That doesn't take this thing away. That doesn't make all the pain worth it or fair. It doesn't make you magically think that you're not flawed, but it remains true. For me, I only found my worth through his eyes. And it was not until I allowed God to love me that I was able to let go of the shame. It was not until I allowed God to love me that I was able to begin to love myself and allow others to love me. I could not love my flawed body or forgive myself or release the anger until I saw myself through him. It's not something that happened overnight, but there was a moment and I'm going to do my best to explain this experience to you, but I probably won't do it justice. At the end of my infertility journey, as we were moving firmly into the childless camp, I went on a silent retreat. I was convinced I was fine. I was moving on. I was over it. On the second day I was there, I was walking through the grounds and off in the distance, I saw a statue of Mary. I was drawn to it began walking towards the statue, and it was like I had no choice. Something was propelling me to the statue, and nothing was going to stop me. Not that anybody tried, but I don't think they could have. When I got right next to it, I noticed she was holding a baby. I assume baby Jesus. At the base of the statue, there were two cherubs. And I reached up and I grabbed the foot of the baby, and I said a prayer. I said, show me how to be a mother in this space. I have no idea where that came from. It never occurred to me to be a mother without a child. And in that moment, I was overcome. I was overwhelmed. I was overtaken with a feeling of love. I felt it in every cell of my body and in my soul. It was so intense. It terrified me and I released the foot and I walked away. When I shared this with my spiritual director for the week, he asked me what it felt like. And my reply was that it felt like too much love. Too much love? But in that moment, that's what it was. I felt God's love, or at least a teeny tiny minuscule fraction of it. In that tiny moment, he showed me how great his love is. I went back every day. And that feeling never came back, but it didn't need to because it was now a part of me. A new thread was being used to weave a new fabric in my life. But I had that moment. I didn't fully understand that at the time. And honestly, I still don't. But what I'm coming to learn was that in that moment, it was revealed to me that I am worthy of his love. And through that love, I could heal. 
I could help others heal. I could be a childless mother by loving others. But first, I had to learn to love myself, to mother myself, to mother my own wounds. I had to love my scars and embrace that I was whole, even while staring through the holes in my heart. And I realized not everyone is going to have a God moment. But what that moment showed me was that I needed to stop looking at my life, my flaws, my failure, and my shame through my eyes. I needed to look at those things through God's eyes. I needed to look at myself through his eyes. And in his eyes, I was whole. I was perfect. I was worthy of love. God was never ashamed of me. God never blamed me for my miscarriage. God is not disappointed that I can't have children. And no one else is either. My husband is not ashamed of me. My family does not think less of me. My friends do not look at me different. I thought they were and did, but that was my reality, not theirs. I read something the other day and it said, shame is a lie. And it is. Shame is a lie we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves that we are not whole, that we are flawed, that we are less than and therefore unworthy. But it's a lie. It is a tempting and albeit a believable lie, but a lie nonetheless. Shame is the manifestation of the grief, the anger, the envy, and the comparison. It's nothing more than that, yet we feed it. We give it power over our lives. We let it tell us we should not even look at ourselves in the mirror. I think the first step to forward healing in this space is to recognize shame. Identify the feeling, own it, and dismiss it. Know that it is lying to you. When you can recognize the feeling, you can control it, or at least start to control it. It's been my experience anyway. I love this quote from Jim Rohn. Uh, he's an entrepreneur and his writings on time management and personal development. But he has this quote, and it's, either you run your day or your day will run you. These feelings of shame, anger, unworthiness, they're the same. If you let them, they will overrun your life. And I can attest that they make really bad decisions. So I will change the quote to own your feelings or your feelings will own you. I lived in servitude to shame and anger and envy for 10 years because I allowed them to own me. I failed to acknowledge them for the lies that they were and lived the life that they presented me. And that life was no life at all. That life was void of love. Love for myself, for those around me, and from those around me, and for God. I never want anyone to feel that. It's a terrible state to be in. While I can't protect you all from those feelings, those feelings will present themselves. What I can do is to tell you, you don't have to go with their plan. You don't have to give them permission to take over, but you have to dig deep. You have to show up and fight, and it's so hard. There's no easy way because these emotions, these feelings of unworthiness and failure, they're strong. They can be seemingly insurmountable, but love never dies. And if you dig deep and see yourself through the eyes of the people that love you, through the eyes of God, you can make it through to the other side. 
I hope this episode brings you some forward healing. Thank you for listening. Join me next week when we talk about non-negotiables and how to use them on your forward healing journey. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us.